This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones, broadcasting from the beautiful and free yet cold state of Texas. Uh, my guest today is the great John Smirak. We're going to look back at 2021, look forward to 2022, talk about January 6th. I think John has been reading QAnon. He's got a conspiracy theory he wants to reveal. But before we get to John, I want to remind you that this episode is being brought to you by my pillow. Go to MyPillow.com, use the code JONES to get yourself the best pillow in the world. Today, I wore my MyPillow indoor-outdoor plush slippers. It's like walking in like the presidential suite of the Trump Hotel, no matter where you are. And I decided to wear them around town today. And I will say, people smiled. I was inside the gas station and everyone in line looked at my feet and smiled. You can have comfortable feet and make people smile too. Go to MyPillow.com. Use the code Jones for deep discounts. And as always, this episode is being brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project, standing with the most vulnerable people in the world in the most challenging of circumstances. Go to thegreatcampaign.org. Please do this. Please go to thegreatcampaign.org. Become a monthly donor, and you will be standing with us in Afghanistan, standing for the Uyghur, standing for the child in the womb. There is no organization that punches up with a punch like ours. Go to thegreatcampaign.org. John Smirak, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Great to talk to you. And it's nice to hear you talk about Mike Lindell, because in my five top five freedom fighters of 2021, my article at stream.org, uh, Mike Lindell is number two on that list. Number one is Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon's uh, War Room, which was originally just only on the internet, now it's also on Real America's Voice. You can get it through your Roku or your Amazon Fire Stick. Uh, he has been like the BBC broadcasting into occupied France after the Vichy government patch up and deal with the Nazis. Uh, while the, uh, everyone, including Fox News, was calling close states for Biden, inexplicably, it seems, uh, and poo-pooing and ridiculing anyone who brought up accusations of election fraud, who brought evidence, serious evidence, uh, the only place where you could find someone willing to question the official narrative and willing to talk about the problem of the Bidenist occupational government was on Steve Bannon's internet show. Um, my girlfriend, Faye, watches it for three hours a day and calls me up and tells me what I need to write about. No, everyone in my and neighborhood it, watches Steve Bannon. I, everyone I know in the world watches Steve Bannon. And I had a new neighbor knock on my door and say, was that you I just saw on Steve Bannon? I said, yes, that was me. I, he's like, I didn't know what you did for a living. I just saw, I saw you on your phone sitting in the back of your pickup truck, and then I saw you on Steve Bannon. So, no, everyone watches. It's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. I appeared with you on the New Year's Eve program, and uh, my girlfriend's mom, who watches Bannon, was actually impressed. I scored some major points by appearing on the Steve, on Steve Bannon's show. Um, what he does is he talks to the people that, apart from Tucker Carlson, Fox News won't have on the air. He talks to Darren Beatty of Revolver News. He talks to Julie Kelly of American Greatness. Uh, he turns up the evidence that all the violence, all the law-breaking on January 6th was federal infiltrators, FBI, agents provocateurs, people like Ray Epps. You're not going to see that on television except on Steve Bannon's show. Pivoting off Steve Bannon, who is the major sponsor of Steve Bannon, of Jason Jones, Dinesh D'Souza, Eric Metaxas, it is Mike Lindell. Mike Lindell, who defeated battle drug addiction, found Christ, started a great company, giving thousands of Americans good-paying jobs, making wonderful products. That would be enough. That's a life story right there. But no, he puts his money where his mouth is. 
he he helped fund the movie Unplanned. And far from hiding behind anonymity, he insisted as a price of his support that he wanted to play the guy who drives the bulldozer that knocks down the Planned Parenthood building on screen. This is my kind of guy. Well, you know what, what Mike Lindell and Steve Bannon have in common is they just had a lot to lose, right? They have a lot to lose right. to stand up when they stand up. I, I, Mike Lindell stood with Kyle Rittenhouse when the world was smearing right. and slandering this young young boy. And I will say just for my organization, the Vulnerable People Project, which you know is the partner of the show, Mike Lindell stands with us there with all the work we do. And, and on Bannon's show on the Christmas Eve special that you and I appeared on, we raised forty thousand um, dollars, which already wow. has, uh, which we distributed quickly with our partners in Afghanistan. We were able to get coal and food, and we distributed to thousands of families. So that was because of Steve Bannon's show. And when Afghanistan was collapsing, I was having, um, you know, Afghans who were in homes surrounded by the Taliban as gunfights were taking were, were taking place in front of their doors. Uh, I had you know Bannon broadcast them interviewed them live on the air and this winter when this this horrible famine and my organization is coming across people already dead they come to homes and they're they're dead in their homes of 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 cold or of starvation um you know steve's show is the one place that we can count on to get this information out and it's it's ironic when you think that the mainstream media portrays him as darth vader when they don't realize he's the guy that runs that cool saloon on the planet that Luke Skywalker's from. I forget the name of the bar. but, but uh, The Cantina. The Cantina, yeah. Steve Bannon's the guy that runs the Cantina. And, you know, I want to go back to Steve real quick. All of this talent that he puts on his show that, that they won't let darken the door of any other network, like they're the most talented people out there. And so it's as if that yeah. – imagine if there was an NFL, if they the best – Football players in the world, they would refuse to draft, and some guy started his own football team. And that's what Bannon is doing. He's assembling this amazing squad of personalities. Yeah, Raheem, Raheem Kassam is a brilliant cultural commentator. Yeah. Jack Babozic, who's a brilliant political reporter. Um, Elizabeth Yor, who gets some of the best reporting on the Vatican. Yeah, no, it's unbelievable. links to communist China. Yeah. So... Um, a number three on the list was Dr. Robert Malone, who invented the technology, the mRNA technology, on which all these COVID vaccines are based. He has been can- oh, oh, he has been canceled. He's been ripped off his own Wikipedia page. He's been deleted from history the way Trotsky was deleted from the Russian Revolution by Stalin because Malone said this should be an emergency measure. You should treat this vaccine like it's chemotherapy. You only give it to cancer patients. Uh, you don't give chemotherapy to everyone. You don't give chemotherapy to kids as, as a preventative measure. He said this vaccine has dangers. This vaccine is untested. It has not been safety tested. The FDA wanted to hide Pfizer's safety records for 75 years. Just now, today, a federal judge has said, no, 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 you're going to produce them within the year. Thank God. Let's hope that stands. Uh, Robert Malone has, has, come, has basically alienated himself from his entire profession, burned every professional bridge, just the way Mike Lindell got himself banned from all the box stores, from Lowe's, from Home Depot, from uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, just for expressing a political opinion. Meanwhile, every company expresses political opinions, it seems. Um, almost always anti-American, racist, woke, divisive, pro-abortion politics. And that's legitimate. That's okay. That's acceptable. But if, for Mike, if Mike Lindell questions the 2020 election, the stores ban his products. So I make a point of buying his products from his website and um, I'm hoping that his mystore.com really does become a competitor to Amazon so I can stop helping make Jeff Bezos even richer. Yeah, I'm going to have to make mystore.com a place that I shop regularly. Um, and by the way, I'll just say on this show, John, I think it was your episode or the episode I did right before Christmas, we sold 3,000 3, pillows were purchased. So That's wonderful. Um, I'm so and, happy to hear that. And <laughs> A, because it's a great – yeah, we, we buy it because we love the pillow – 
And uh, but we love Mike Lindell. You know, whenever I market a faith film and I and I work on these faith films, I tell the producers like, look, our audience shows up. Um, they need two things. They need first of all, obviously, it has to be a good movie, but they need somebody in the film that is taking a risk on our behalf. Right? It you need somebody who is risking their career to tell a story that we want to be told, right? Like that is that and I should say that's just the 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 number one necessary ingredient. If you look at the Passion of the Christ, for example, Mel Gibson, yeah. they tried to destroy him. They tried to cancel him because he dared make the Passion of the Christ. When the news broke And they made sure to cancel him they made sure to cancel him later. At right. The first opportunity. Exactly. And so what we when we saw that we we showed up in force and you know churches were buying out millions of dollars in tickets but the other thing is it has to be useful right like it has to be a story that we want to be told for a reason and have some utility right. immediately and that was the passion it was a way for christians to share their faith and you had a star that was willing to risk his career to tell that story well mike lindell is a guy that's risk risking everything um for products that he throws his heart and soul into and really believes in. Um, right. And uh, is fearless. He's, he's, he is fear. By the way, I want to, you should have been on this list, but you wrote it. That would have been a bit weird. And I, I don't want to say at the end when you <laughs> finish it, why I think you should have been on the list. So we got Mike Lindell, we've got um, uh, Steve Bannon. And then who, who's next? Robert Malone. Robert the Malone. That's right. From the MRNA. Yeah. Eric Metaxas. Now, Eric Metaxas is a good friend of mine. Uh, we actually were at school together at Yale, though we didn't know each other at the time. Um, I actually was at, I went to a pro-life event in the 90s in Manhattan, and I didn't know who was who the, uh, who the main speaker was, somebody I'd never heard of. Eric Metaxas, I'd never heard of him at the time. And he came up to me after his excellent talk and said, you don't remember me, but I remember you. You were that guy in my in my English 19th century poetry class who kept irritating me by bringing religion into the study of 19th century poetry. And I just wanted to say I found Jesus since then, and you were absolutely right. That's Isn't unbelievable. That so you and, you and Eric, shared, you were in a poetry class together at Yale. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I kept pointing out the religious themes in the poetry, and Eric was in his uh, secular agnostic phase of his life, and uh, he was irritated by it. <laughs> and now I'm a weekly guest on his wonderful radio show. <laughs> um, Eric, I want to talk about what Eric lost, what Eric sacrificed, but what were you going to say? Well, no, I was going to say I first met Eric Metaxas in 2000. I was invited to a White House staff retreat to give a presentation on how abortion presents itself in popular culture. So these were bushies, and this was this, like, beautiful estate on a lake in, in Maryland. And the, the big, everyone was buzzing because Eric Metaxas, uh, who was working with Chuck Colson, was coming. And, I'm, and they were so excited. I was just kind of annoyed at how excited everyone was about, who is this guy, Metaxas? And, um, but, but Eric is a guy who he has been sacrificing for the truth Every single step of the way in his career, he's just rolls the dice. Can I tell you something funny? Yeah. You know how Eric got that job? I don't. I turned it down. Really? So, yeah. That I turned that job down. I had that the Colson Center had approached me about that job, and I was all set to take it, and I was unemployed at the time. But in order to take it, you had to sign a, an explicitly Protestant creed. And I thought, I have Irish ancestors who literally <laughs> starved rather than take Protestant, sign Protestant creeds during the potato famine. So, no, thank you very much. So they hired somebody better, Eric Metaxas. That's a true story. Yeah, I wonder how that ball would have bounced. I, w I, wonder, how, <laughs> I wonder how you would have done there. I just I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think things worked out in God's promise. Exactly. Uh, Eric became a mainstream figure by doing his his Bonhoeffer book. I mean, when, when the Obama White House invites you as the main speaker at the National Day of Prayer, 
you know, your your career path is laid out. You can have your own show on spirituality on NPR. You can be the go-to guy for the Washington Post. Your books can get respectful reviews in the New York Times and the Washington Post for the rest of your life. Basically, he was anointed in, with all the prestige that Rod Dreher so desperately wants and does everything he can to try to claw at. It was just handed to Eric because of his Bonhoeffer book. And what did he do? He spent it. He threw it away in order to support Donald Trump for president because he thought Donald Trump was going to be good for America. And Eric didn't care whether that was good for Eric Metaxas, whether that was good for his professional career. And then Eric again saw evidence, strong evidence of election fraud in 2020. And Eric had spoken out against the abortion links of the of the COVID vaccines. So he has made himself radioactive in all those posh circles where he used to be welcome. The Wall Street Journal wouldn't even accept an essay from him to try to promote his book, Fish Out of Water, or his book, uh, Is Atheist in Debt. Like he used to be published in the Wall Street Journal and have the most shared columns at the journal. But no, he crossed the line. He's never going to be published there again. He'll never be reviewed in the New York Times again. There'll never be a style section feature about him in the Washington Post because he has decided to stick to the truth and follow the truth wherever it leads him, even if it's out into the fever swamps with you and me and Steve Bannon and Mike Lindell. Yeah, and you know, we expect nurses and doctors to take that risk but then we have all these pundits like rod Dreher and others who 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 people will celebrate that have never or nor will ever or or ted ted cruz is pathetic look i was a big yeah. ted cruz fan until this week and have been consistently yeah, since yeah, he was three percent in the polls when he first ran for senate but i will say he lost me for good i mean for good yeah um because what i saw Watching there was him i couldn't did you see him on, on – uh, did you see Tucker Carlson grill him on TV? No, it was unbelievable. It was brutal. It was brilliant. I couldn't finish watching it. I was so embarrassed for Ted Cruz. I just thought, you know, if this was the 19th century, this guy would just shoot himself quietly. He would just, he would, he would just be so disgraced Let's, that he wouldn't be able to face anyone in public again. For people listening who don't know what we're talking about, can you set up what happened this week with Ted? Yeah, Ted Cruz – echoed the establishment narrative that the election integrity rally on January 6th that was hijacked by federal agents and then attacked by Capitol Police with flash bombs and, and pepper gas and truncheons, uh, that rally, which has more than 100 innocent, peaceful Americans still in solitary confinement in what I call Gitmo on the Potomac, a uh, political gulag that the Democrats are running for Trump supporters. Uh, Ted Cruz referred to those people as terrorists. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we just find out today, and this is my next column at the stream, the Antifa thugs who tried to derail a commuter train in Los Angeles, which would have killed hundreds of Americans. They tried and failed to derail a commuter train full of Americans. Uh, all charges have been dropped because the Soros-backed DA who took over Los Angeles County on the first day summoned a meeting with left-wing activists and dismissed all charges. And when, it, when a, an honest prosecutor tried to maintain the case, he reprimanded and punished that prosecutor. This was the story that just came out of Fox News in Los Angeles today. You know, this is – and this is going to get to what all five of these heroes have in common – is they're battling against something that I don't think we've given a proper name to. And there's a tyranny that's settled over the entire Western world. And this is what we're battling against. And these Antifa thugs, these terrorists acting, basically state-sponsored terrorists in a way, you know, sponsored yeah. by the yeah. same people that these DAs work for. Um, the establishment, well, that, the deep state, deep state, this is it. This is, should be the article. I want to write an article together with you on this. We should write an article on deep state-sponsored terrorism is acceptable. When the deep state-sponsored well, terrorism... there is a word. Okay. What word do you got? There's a word for it. It's a narco-tyranny. Uh, a narco-tyranny is where the people with political power unleash anarchy when it suits them. 
and they don't they don't enforce the law. Remember all the George Floyd riots, all the Democrat the mayors and governors letting these thugs rape and murder and burn entire cities. Form they formed a communist autonomous enclave in Seattle for a few months that, that claimed uh, uh, sovereignty, and it was run by street thugs with, with guns. Uh, they they don't enforce the law. That's but an insurrection, by the way. Commi- That's the definition of an insurrection. Right. Yeah. But they, none of those people, not one of them has gone to jail. Uh, but the people on January 6th who dared to question the election narrative, then then you become a rigorous stickler. Then you persecute them like Javert in, uh, in uh, Le Miserable. We, the people who were involved in January 6th, your, their emails are getting hacked. Their text messages are getting ex- examined. They're trying to disqualify from Congress anyone who supported the election challenge, which brings me to number five on my list of freedom fighters, Congressman Congressman, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She is one of the only Republicans in Congress, along with Matt Gaetz, who's actually acting like a Republican, who's actually resisting the tyranny that the Democrats are trying to impose on us, who's trying to obstruct Nancy Pelosi's insane spending, uh, she actually went with Matt Gates and Paul Gozar to the D.C. jail to Gitmo on the Potomac to examine the horrendous, abusive conditions of the January 6th protesters. Remember, these people were arrested for trespassing, for unlawful parading, and they are being, they're still being held without bail for trial dates that haven't even been set in solitary confinement a year later. If we were doing that to the Antifa terrorists who burned courthouses, we wouldn't get away with that. But these Americans who dared to question the election theft of 2020 are still political prisoners in an American gulag. And National Review ran a piece gloating about Jacob Chansley. He's the fellow, the QAnon shaman, they call him, who had the horns. He, he's been sentenced to like two and a half years in prison for nothing for walking in through an open door and sitting in a chair. He is going to be in prison for almost four years. Uh, And National Review was gloating about that. What I did, uh, Julie Kelly at American Greatness published the the address of the prison where Jacob Chansley is and encouraged people to send him letters of support and books. I sent him a copy of the Gulag Archipelago because he's in one. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to send him a letter because, you know, one of my goals in life is to make Jacob Chansley. This is a guy with PTSD. I believe he's a veteran. He's clearly struggling yeah. with some issues, right? But he, I saw him. I was there at the January 6th, the thing. I was a speaker. And, uh, of course, our stage was never set up. The, 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 where we were supposed to be speaking was initially walled off, uh, where we were permitted to be. And then they removed it, and they made it cameras made it look like there was some sort of insurrection when people were moving into an area that there was a permit to be. Um, anyway, uh, I was angry. I'm like, this guy's a kook. And what is this guy? Some new age wacko. And, uh, but you know, as what seeing that he has become the scapegoat because he is new age, he's pagan. He's, I don't mean to be rude, but he seems to be struggling with mentally mental illness. I'm just saying that just as an observation. I'm not a psychiatrist. He's, you know, he has some issues. And so he was an easy target. He was the sacrificial lamb. So it's interesting at horns. And I just want this guy uh, to yeah. be rich and famous. I want him to have his reality show, live on the beach in Venice in California, where he spends his day drinking his vegan smoothies. And I hope he finds Jesus, leaves the paganism behind, and he can rebuild that nervous system and and just live a simple, happy life because – he is literally like he's like the mentally ill guy the Nazis framed up. This guy was he did I can't see anything he did wrong other than misdemeanor trespass. That's right. Why are they That's treating right. him different so, uh, than everyone else because his face was painted because he howls? Uh, because he he became the he became the the icon of the chaos on January 6th and the and at the stream, we just republished uh, the column I wrote on January 7th, 2020. The day after the event, I wrote a column, to, and, and my quote was, uh, 
Um, it would take a man with a heart of stone to, to watch January 6th without laughing. Because I thought the whole thing was a brutally funny ex expose of the fact that our republic has no clothes, that our votes had been stolen, our attempts to pursue it in court were just closed down. Not one court considered the merits of the case. Not one court looked at the evidence. They all just dismissed it on standing, on jurisdiction, on procedural issues, because those judges were afraid that their houses would be targeted, that they would be the, the targets of Antifa. I'm convinced that some of those judges did that out of sheer self-protection. Because if you remember, Jacob Gar uh, J Jake Gardner, who defended himself in Omaha, Nebraska against uh, looters, who, a looter who was beating up his elderly father and tried to strangle Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner shot him at that point in self-defense. They, per they persecuted him. The, uh, the local DAs had, vi there was video. He, his self-defense case was even clearer than Kyle Rittenhouse. And the local DA didn't want to prosecute after nine weeks of Antifa besieging the prosecutor's house, nine weeks of these psychotics outside his home, he picked a special prosecutor linked to George Soros who tried to send Jake Gardner to prison for 100 years. GoFundMe wouldn't, wouldn't let him raise money for his defense. His landlord kicked him out. He finally took his own life. Another American veteran, decorated combat hero, driven to the grave by these enemies, these monsters who, who constitute our elite and our media and our establishment. And, and you know, the, the, and this is what those five have in common, John, is that they have ordered their life with no thought to the consequences to themselves to defend the vulnerable. And yeah. it's, it's interesting that three of the people on that list have personally been involved with helping me and my initiatives to help nameless people before anyone heard of the Uyghur or the Yazidi, Eric Metaxas had me on his show years and years and years ago. I remember yeah. he gave us three hours of his show uh, when he interviewed a, uh, a Yazidi survivor of ISIS. And um, wow. three hours. And when Bannon was in the White House, I feel like the most vulnerable ethnic and religious minorities in the world had a voice in the White House. Mike Lindell, all of these people... And then this is when you go, what, you know, people I put, put on social media that I will never trust Ted Cruz again. And the reason why is simply there's only two ways to order your life. You order your life to the truth and thoughtfulness to the vulnerable, or you order your life to the whims of those in power, and you're willing to lie. And what Ted Cruz yeah. demonstrated on the floor of the Senate is that he would order his speech to the whims of those in power uh, right. adding the worst possible blow to those poor people that are sitting in uh, what Gitmo on the Potomac. When he when he tried to defend himself, absolutely disgraceful. When he tried to defend himself and say, "Well, I wasn't talking about all you good folks." And by the way, as someone who was there, the only act of violence I saw wasn't violence, but a maniac shaking the fence. I I now have seen pictures. He has not been charged. And it appears that he was some kind of provocateur. So he was a fed. Yeah, he was probably a fed. He was so a fed, yeah. the only act of violence I saw, which was some lunatic shaking a fence, because um, I was on the Supreme Court side, was probably a fed or an Antifa member. Yeah. Um, and But what I saw was uh, Hong Kong, folks from Hong Kong out there, Uyghurs. I was spending all my time kind of meandering, taking pictures of the Vietnamese, the South Vietnamese community and, and it was the most beautiful and diverse community I've ever seen at any event ever. Um, but yet, what Cruz so Cruz that's wanted, why they had to destroy it. That's why they had to destroy it. That's why they had to demonize it. That's why they. I mean, look what they did to, to our Lord. They called him a blasphemer. They called him every filthy name, and they crucified him like a slave. That is what Satan does when he's confronted with real goodness. He wants to destroy it. And we are dealing with principalities and powers now. We're not dealing with fellow citizens who disagree with us about the best way to govern America. This is not Hubert Humphrey versus Richard Nixon or Nixon versus Kennedy. This is more like Lenin against the white Russians. This is Hitler against Bonhoeffer. 
we are facing radical evil in power. The same people who colluded with the Chinese government to produce this virus. You know, the COVID virus is the result of experiments in Wuhan using embryonic cells. They, cells taken from dead babies from abortion, taken from them actually while they're alive. That's the only way to get useful organs, is to cut the baby open while he or she is alive. They were doing experiments on hybrids of mice and fetal organs. And that's how they created COVID in the first place. And that's why they need to use mouse-human hybrids to research cures for COVID because that's the, the, the monstrous creature on which the, the virus developed in the first place. Yeah, the, the, I would say Fauci has a nervous system of steel. If I was as guilty for the crimes against humanity as this guy, I would be you know, sitting in a puddle of sweat and tears in a log cabin somewhere in the middle of the Ozarks. How this guy can prance well, around and go to dinner parties either, and go on television. He's either a full sociopath or he is perfectly possessed. And uh, theologians talk about the phenomenon of perfect possession. If, if, you, if you've seen the movie The Exorcist, that's an imperfect possession where the soul doesn't want the demon and it's fighting it. So you see chaos and you see physical symptoms. Perfect demonic possession is where you, you, you've accepted the possession of your soul by the, by the evil one, and you, you kind of enjoy it. And that there is a perfect synergy between you and the spirits that are possessing you. And uh, almost certainly Hitler was perfectly possessed. That was the opinion of uh, Cardinal Pacelli, the future Pius the, Pius the Twelfth. He actually wrote, ha having studied Hitler and seen what Hitler was doing, he wrote to Joseph Kennedy and told Joseph Kennedy the, the U.S. cannot make any kind of agreement with the Nazis. They cannot be trusted because Hitler was literally possessed by Satan. Unfortunately, Joseph Kennedy didn't, didn't heed that advice. Yeah, well, and it's for people listening, it's, like, it's hard to believe. Like, how can we say this about a guy like Fauci? Here's all you need to know about the deep state and that click. What's, I, I'm up close and in it in Afghanistan. I'm getting pictures, hundreds and hundreds of pictures sent to me all day, every day by my teams on the ground, teams of Afghans who are were going all over the country to the most vulnerable communities distributing uh, four-month supplies of food to people who are starving when we arrived. And some places we arrived too late. Uh, where's the media? Where's Nike and the NBA? And where are all these? Where's Apple? Where are all these woke corporations? Where are... Where, they, they, they know for certain that there's man-made global warming, but they're they just haven't figured out yet that there's actually genocide happening in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan. They, you know, we, um, I said a year ago um, <clears throat> there'd be famine this year. I said in August on Steve Bannon's show this winter would be, there would be, there'd be hunger and famine in, in Afghanistan. Where, 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 where's our government? Where's the mainstream media? Uh, one of the things I'm doing, John, and every, by the way, everyone listening needs to get on Getter. It's just so nice to be over there on Getter. I, I've never really was active on Twitter, but to be on a place where there's real free speech, um, it, it, someone said it's like a high school reunion. You see all these people you haven't seen because we've all been getting off of social media. Um, at, Jason jo at Jason Jones Show is where I am at Getter. John, where are you? I'm, I'm on Getter and Gab. And I, and I think it's Mirac in both cases. Yeah, it's, it's Mirac. Uh, everyone needs to get on Getter. But one of the things I'm doing, John, is I've already started in the, two days ago. We're getting all of our Afghans uh, that have access to phones and Wi-Fi and, and, and Internet. We're getting them all on Getter. And we're going to be posting That's pictures. Great. They're going to be posting uh, uh, the no regrets winter of death photos from Afghanistan relentlessly all winter. And you'll be a VPP at the at vulnerable PP will be sharing these photos soon. And people will see photos of the hell that the deep state and the mainstream media is ignoring that they caused and are now ignoring uh, hundreds of thousands of people starving and freezing to death and not a tear, not a press conference, nothing, no time for that. Um, we're going to be sharing that, but we're also going to be sharing the stories of, of how we're getting food four-month supplies of food to thousands of families every week. 
Uh, well, Jason, I'm glad we're both working in different areas of the vineyard. Um, just one more piece I wrote at Screen.org I'd like to call people's attention to. It's, uh, people said it's my best headline ever. <laughs> Betty White didn't kill herself. Oh, this is your QAnon conspiracy. Okay, here we go. Okay, oh, we're gonna be, I'm starting with an open Sorry. mind. Okay, no. I, I joke that it's, isn't it a strange coincidence that Betty White lives through the flu epidemics of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, lives through COVID, then right after the conviction of Ghislaine Maxwell, but before her sentencing, suddenly she dies? Doesn't that strike you as kind of suspicious? Well, of course, I, in fact, it doesn't. I'm just making a Jeffrey Epstein joke, but I'm making the joke for a reason. We all realize that Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, right? Yes. And yet we just kind of accept that. Oh, okay. So someone in the federal government is in bed with a pedophile conspiracy. And then we just move on. <laughs> we accept that because that's what we've gotten used to now. It, it reminds me of the, of the Leonard Cohen song, Everybody Knows. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Um, let's go, Brandon. Okay, that was a hilarious joke. That's a great joke. Um, it was this this guy, Brad, uh, Brandon, um, trying to get Brandon Brown. He's a NASCAR driver. He wins a race, and this reporter is interviewing him. Everyone is chanting "F Joe Biden," which they've been doing at NASCAR races for weeks. And the media wouldn't report on it. She hears them saying, F Joe Biden. And she says, oh, look, they're saying, let's go, Brandon. That was so perfect because it, it, it showed us in real time the gaslighting that the media does on everything. It was like a glitch in the Matrix where you know, oh, OK, here's where the Matrix is operating. Um, and that's why it's so funny. And that's why we're like writing it on our children's birthday cakes and wearing it on sweatshirts to church. Meanwhile, now NASCAR won't even let Brandon Brown do a product that says, let's go Brandon, using his own name, because it could be seen as critical of Joe Biden. And yet, okay, well, there you go. We expect that. We accept that. Ghislaine Maxwell gets convicted. There's pictures of her at Bill Clinton at Chelsea Clinton's wedding. There are flight logs with Bill Clinton on Jeffrey Epstein's private plane to his pedophile island. Ghislaine Maxwell is not required by federal prosecutors to name any of her other clients. And we just accept that. Yes, of course. Obviously. We just accept that. But Ali Alexander, <laughs> a Republican political organizer who organized a perfectly peaceful event. Uh, is under the greatest FBI scrutiny of any American ever. And after 12 months, they found nothing because they'll find nothing. And we accept that too. That's how beaten down we are. We realize that we are in the early decisive stages of a totalitarian political system. Uh, Where we are now, where Poland and Czechoslovakia were in 1948, where when the Soviets were starting to turn all the screws, starting to close down the free media, starting to scrutinize people's private lives, starting to professionally destroy anyone who resisted the, the Soviet totalitarian governments that they were installing in defiance of their promises at Potsdam and Yalta. We are in that phase right now. And all too many who say they're on the right, who claim to be conservatives and Republicans and pro-lifers and Christians, all too many of them are collaborators. They're just trying to carve out a little safe space where they can continue to exist as a controlled opposition. You know, under, under Polish communism, before Solidarity, they had one opposition political party that they tolerated called the Agrarian Party. And it was tiny and it was powerless, but they kept it in existence so that they could say, we are not a one-party state. We have an opposition party. And of course, these people did nothing and accomplished nothing. That's the Republican Party. That's the, the establishment Republican Party aspires to that role of the agrarian party in Polish communism. 
where they make money by claiming and they get they make legal nice lifestyle by claiming to oppose everything the Democrats are doing, but in fact they collaborate, they help them to implement it. That's what all the Republicans who denounce the January 6th demonstrators, who denounce Trump and Trump supporters, who de- who want to impose vaccine mandates, they are all part of the system. They are actually our, enemy, our enemies in a much more serious way than even the left. Uh, the fake right, the I call them the, the Planned Parenthood faction of the Republican Party, which is the George Bush faction. I learned something a few weeks ago when I, when I wrote about this. <clears throat> George W. George H. W. Bush, who was uh, the president, vice president to Ronald Reagan, his father signed Margaret Sanger's first fundraising letter to found Planned Parenthood in the first place. Yeah, I never knew that. Did That's, you know I, that? I did not. That's I knew his involvement with Margaret Sanger early on. I did not know it was from the very beginning. For 20 years, he was treasurer of Planned Parenthood of Connecticut. So if you want, and if we look at this, the catastrophe of the vaccine, of being forced to lose our jobs or lose our right to travel. I can't go visit my family in New York. Uh, because of a vaccine we don't want to take because it's based on abortion. Remember who, who gave us this? George W. Bush in 2001 when he did his compromise on stem cells. He said any chi- if the child's already been aborted, you can use its cells. You just can't use any new ones. See, I split the difference. It's a right. It's a compromise. And all too many leaders of the pro-life movement no, John, didn't want to tick off the Bush administration, so they went along. Did I ever tell you my own personal story on this? No. So I planted the question in the press conference to ask Bush in the weeks leading up to Von Aschenbach's decision at FDA to make morning after pill available over the counter. And um, Bush startlingly said, uh, I'm going to do whatever Andy wants. I trust Andy on this. Okay, that was his answer. Um, okay. I was leading, and by leading, I was leading an army of like none, a charge. You know, I was director of public relations at Human Life International at the time. And I was leading a charge. And people are always shocked because, you know, I, I worked for Bush prior to this. And so people were really startled that I turned on him so aggressively. I wrote a press release that ended up above the fold in the New York Times saying that Bush filed for divorce with pro-lifers and Catholics over this issue. Huh. But I, um, I, was, I was a one-man charge. Well, me and my buddy Joe Gigani. We were like the, the, you know, the two of us battling against this. And um, a very prominent woman in the pro-life movement at the time, I had asked her help in influencing the president and you know prior to this by the way i was getting invited to meetings at the white house all the time and now i now i know why i knew why i figured it out right away i was like being you know marinated over an 18 month period um but you know for me going to the white house was really exciting the first time interesting the second time and the third time it was just a hassle so it wasn't a good way to butter me up maybe barnes and noble gift cards or something future reference for those of you want to (laughs) buy me off Um, but it was like, oh, this is what's been going on. This is why they've been so great to us. Well, this one pro-life leader, she said to me, Jason, and this was in August. Let me tell you, I know in this decision, I have a very clear memory of the whole thing. And I'll give you, tell you why it was in August and or July when I made this call. And she said, Jason, um, you know, if we do this, we won't be invited to the white house Christmas party. This was in the oh. summer, she's thinking about the Christmas party. Well, when, and I wrote a press release that my son, the day my, my son Maximilian Colby Jones was born, August 22nd, um, I issued a press release like the day before. No pro-lifers would stand up against the president. So I was doing radio interviews until, my wife said, you can do interviews until I crown. <laughs> that was her rule. I'm in the delivery room doing interviews on this topic. And and then I could do interviews again after the baby was born. So this is what happened. Fox News sent a camera crew to the hospital. Uh, this was in wow. Northern Virginia. So where my where Max was born. So um, because they couldn't get any pro-lifers to talk on this issue. And they needed someone on this side. And no. And now? The greatest expansion of abortion. from that. 
The greatest expansion of abortion may be greater than Roe v. Wade, and it actually was the future of abortion. So while we were battling surgical abortion, Planned Parenthood was like laughing at us because they were thinking of telemedicine and abortion pills through the mail. And, uh, you know, over the counter was just the first step. And it was like straight to your door was the second step. And um, yeah, yeah no. now that now you can get the you can get the morning after pill from vending machines on college campuses in California. You can get Cheetos or you can get the abortion pill. I'm not kidding. Yeah, that leads me to uh, a joke that you said to me that was kind of funny. Can I can I tell <laughs> this week we rescued um, sure. a quote unquote women's rights activist, left leaning Afghan women's rights activist from Afghanistan was in a very bad place. They're still in Afghanistan but we got them to a safe place and they reached out to my organization. Interestingly enough, they didn't reach out to Planned Parenthood, but they were yeah. that of that ideology, atheist, leftist, um, quote unquote, women's rights activists. We know what that means. And uh, so I, 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 when I said to you, John, like I rescued him, got him food and got him to a safer place. You, you said uh, your response was classic. You're like, you should have just sent him uh, the box of condoms and some morning after pills. That's right. And, uh, and let me say, Jason, I mean that sincerely. <laughs> that is what I would have sent that guy. Uh, I, and I, I think you know me well enough to believe that I mean it. Uh, if I have to choose between Planned Parenthood and the Taliban, I don't pick. They're equally bad. Yeah, you know, here's, here's the deal. Um, we have a rule here at the Vulnerable People Project. We don't go looking for everyone, but anyone that is that has received a death letter and is in mortal danger that re- reaches out to us for help, we don't say no to. Even my wife was See, like, "You're a better person than me." My wife said, "You're a better you? person than me." I'm- well, no, I'm not, but I just am ruthlessly no, because I about would my judge mission does statement. the person. Yeah. Well, I texted Abby Johnson. This guy better be joining her, and then there were none movement. Or I'm going to ask for a refund. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to give his... Yeah, see, I'm only going to save somebody from immediate danger of death if I if I think he, he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> and, uh, to me, pro-abortion activists deserve the culture well, of I death. Won't, no, I won't say he was a pro-abortion activist, but I will say that he was the nose... The camel, what is it? The the the, the camel's nose in, into the tent. Into camel's nose under the tent. Yeah, but, you know, here's the thing. What's interesting is he didn't reach out to Planned Parenthood. He didn't reach out to any leftists. By the way, we've rescued some LGBT, no. quote-unquote, members of the LGBT community. And I'm, like, wondering where those well-funded, huge organizations are, right? Um, but this gets yeah, to the point. Like, we, I want to I, I wrap it up with this, John, because I think it, it sums it all up. We know we are fighting something. That is terror. That is it is ridiculous. Actually, it's ominous yet absurd and ridiculous. We were talking on the call today that who knew that tyranny was so funny. You know, it's not funny to distance. Watching people starve and freeze to death in Afghanistan because of Biden's bungle is not funny. Um, but looking at the, watching these clowns up close and personal, they're ridiculous characters. Like Hitler and Stalin were ridiculous characters, right? Right. They're ridiculous characters who managed to obtain absolute power. Remember that Alexander Solzhenitsyn went to the Gulag. He was first sent to the Gulag for making a joke about Stalin's mustache in a personal letter to a friend. Remind me never to to do that. (laughs) I'll never make a joke about Stalin's mustache again. So, uh, I mean, that was a Let's Grow Brandon moment that landed uh, a decorated Soviet Army war veteran, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, in a prison camp. Uh, There are people in Gitmo on the Potomac for January 6th who did much less. They showed up, they walked past smiling cops, they said hello, they took a selfie, and now they've been in solitary confinement for a year. Any Republican, any conservative, any pro-lifer, any so-called Christian who endorses that is not an American. They're not my fellow citizens. They're my enemy. I'm with you. Yeah, so what is the name of this? There's like a global coup that's happening right now that's very clear. The tech giants are engaged, the governments of the world, uh, from Australia, you know, across Europe, Germany, Italy, the United States. And 
It's trying to brainwash the masses and terrify opposition. They seek absolute power. Um, they have yeah. no respect for free speech or freedom of property. They want us to eat cricket meat and say it out loud. You'll eat. You'll have no property, and you'll be eating cricket meat, and you'll like it. Now go to your room. It's the Great Reset. That they, their own term for it is the Great Reset. That they they are they are trying to overturn the verdict of World War II and the Cold War, which was to the rejection of totalitarianism. The fall of the Berlin Wall, the collapse of the Soviet Union, it looked like Western civilization had rejected totalitarianism in favor of the Christian view of the person. These people want to reverse that verdict. They can't, they can't convince people that socialism is more economically efficient. That, that's obviously not true. Uh, climate change didn't convince enough people because people in our generation don't care about their grandchildren. Uh, but they found ah. that if they scared them with, yeah, but if Whoa, they scared them with COVID, we don't care about our posterity. So it, we don't care, whatever, YOLO. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Greta Thunberg, I don't care if the last polar bear rips off Greta Thunberg's head. I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and I also mean that sincerely, but um, so they took COVID. They took COVID and said, oh, this will kill you. This will take away the next 20 or 30 years of Uber Eats, Netflix, and porn. And then you'll die and you don't believe in an afterlife. So essentially, if your neighbor doesn't get the vaccine, he's threatening to destroy the universe. He's like Thanos in the Avengers. He's trying to, he's going to wipe you out. He's going to kill you. How important are his freedoms to you? And turns out they're not that important at all. Yeah. So we're getting a public health dictatorship is the pretext for imposing the great reset, which is a utopian social engineering project uh, favored by European billionaires, our communist pope, so the Chinese Communist Party, and our disgusting, profoundly demonic elites here in America. You know, when we were writing The Race to Save Our Century, and I was studying the early the 20s in the Soviet Union, one of the things that was startling to me was it wasn't as if the Bolshevik Revolution happened and then you had this brutal totalitarian state controlling every nook and cranny of society from day one, which is kind of just how I imagine things. It, 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 was, it was creeping. And I feel like this totalitarian health dictatorship is moving faster than any dictatorship ever uh, yeah. and, and invading yeah. every segment of our lives. Yeah, and it's the, the term to use is public health dictatorship. Um, right now, it's before the Supreme Court. God willing, the Supreme Court will smack will strike down the Biden administration's insane overreach to use OSHA to force the dead baby vaccine on every employee in America. Um, if it doesn't, then our freedoms really are gone. And we have an illegitimate occupational government that doesn't deserve our loyalty and ought to be obstructed and and brought down as soon as possible. I mean, we are so much worse off than the 13 colonies were in 1776. I mean, we were worse off in 10 years ago than they were. I mean, 20 years ago, right? Right, I mean, right. But, uh, but I mean, infinitely worse off infinitely now. Infinitely worse I off. I mean, our ancestors would have fought long before this. And uh, if you want to see the spirit of Americans who are like the original Americans, they're in jail cells in, Get in Gitmo on the Potomac for January 6th. And people like Ted Cruz just... Go find another way to make a living. I mean, I do think he uh, needs God to retire. Willing. He need. I don't know how he comes back yeah. from this. It, because we need for, to find someone to primary him for the Texas Senate. Yeah, because for me, what it, it demonstrated was his absolute thoughtful. I don't mind people selling things down the river for power here and there. It's just I, I wouldn't be able to support any politician because that's just what they do. Um, but this wasn't like turning his back on the insurance industry or you know what he just did was turn his back on literally the most uh violated abused people in America and that's right 
and and slandered them in a horrible way. Um, as I said, and I don't, I, I can never, I can show. never forgive him for that. I can never trust him again because that's just cruel and brutal. That's right. cruel. That's cruel to. Yep. There's only two ways to live your. There's three ways, I guess. You can be apathetic, or you can order your life to serve the powerful, or order your life to serve the vulnerable. That's it. And there's no just there's no middle ground. The, the, what all of those five people you had in common on your list of freedom fighters, where they took great risks uh, to benefit the common good, to benefit the most vulnerable in our society. Um, if you were to make a five scoundrels list, it would have been those who sold out the most vulnerable for the political gain. Right. And let's remember, COVID and January 6th are being used as a pretext to stop the March for Life this year. Um, I warned the March for Life when they when they suspended their, their, their march last year. I said, it'll never happen again. And the D.C. mayor is indeed making sure it never happens again. Well, I will be there, and I will be the March for uh, Medical Freedom on the 23rd as well. So I, I'm going and um, because I go year after year, and I'm not missing it. And uh, so if people, Wait, are they actually marching? I thought the D.C. had denied them a permit. I, yeah, I've heard that, but I sure as heck know me and several thousand of my friends will be marching. So, uh, you know, yeah. do, do we need a permit to all sort of show up and go for a walk together? I don't know. Uh, but I, I will be there. Listen, we're good. Good. We can't give in to these people. No, I don't give an inch, John. They smell weak. They smell weakness and they exploit it. And then they smell it again. It's like sharks smelling blood. You know, at this point, all I right, recognize Jason, I'm going to go. You go, John, and I'm going to yeah. I'm going to I'm going to sell pillows and uh, give my little okay. spiel. God bless everybody and oh, check out my, oh, my no, five. Oh. You can't leave yet. You can't leave okay. yet. I got to tell you why you should have been on that list. You okay. you wrote an article on January seventh, two thousand and one, defending the people who were at the march at the Capitol, and I was at the Capitol. Twenty twenty. I'm twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. No, it was uh, January. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 2020. We're, 2021. Yeah. Sorry, 2021. Yeah. yeah, last year. The day after the march, you wrote this letter. Look, uh, this article. And I was at the march. I was like, hey, John, thanks for the support. I don't think you should be saying that right now. And, um, but <laughs> uh, hey, I appreciate the support, but I don't think you should be giving it to us right now. And, but that to me is why I love you. Like, I guarantee you, there is nobody in print that defended those of us who were there on January 6th. Any quicker than you. It's impossible. That's that's just impossible. No, the QAnon shaman himself was probably all... was writing a retraction that day. No, you did not. <laughs> you know, it... I can't stand the smell of cowardice. Yeah, I was one of the first people to defend Kyle Rittenhouse. Yes. And uh, Nick Sandman. Yeah. Because I, I when when I when I see cowardice. When I see people panicking, when I see people throwing the innocent under the bus, it makes me physically ill. And I just think somebody's got to do the, the, the right thing. Somebody's got to show some spine here, and maybe it will inspire a few other people to stand up too. And if it's not a guy from Queens that went to Yale, it ain't nobody. <laughs> I mean, that's just the You know, deal. I'm half Irish. It's, it's that a stubborn Irish mulishness that, uh, you know, we, we tangled with the British Empire for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, so it's, it's kind of bred into the bone. Well, when people were saying, Jason, are you afraid that the FBI is going to come for you? I'm like, well, I'm sure because I was emailing all the organizers about my speech was on the Uyghur and the foreign policy catastrophe that will fall in the wake of a Biden administration. And that's what my speech was about on the 5th and it was going to be about on the 6th, but of course was... It didn't happen because they didn't put up our stage and they fenced off our permitted area where we were supposed to be. Um, I figured they wouldn't want to talk to me. So no one is, I feel kind of left out. I told all my friends, I said, if I were you guys, I would think Jason Jones is an FBI informant because how come he hasn't gotten called by anyone? <laughs> like, I just think they know I'll show well, up with my Nike genocide shoes and my Uyghur cape and my dopa. They're just like, just leave this guy alone. It's just, we don't want this headache. Well, it's kind of like my friends who are still on Twitter. It's like, why haven't you been banned yet? That's a sign of shame at this point. 
if Twitter's still willing to let you publish, maybe you're not trying hard enough. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, they're banning everyone. You can't. Yeah, I can't even. You can't even share. You know, Babylon B articles now. The fact that that they quote unquote fact check satire tells you that we are living under some sort of bizarre tyranny. That doesn't. Yeah, we're look living like, in a bad comedy. You know, it doesn't look like it's any tyranny that, that existed, but none has, right? Like nothing looked like Nazi Germany before Nazi Germany. Nothing looked like the Soviet Union before the Soviet Union. So they're probably always hard to see coming, right? Like nothing has looked like. Well, this. I think if you, I think if you go back and and, and rewatch the Terry Gilliam film Brazil, you have a pretty eerie prophetic depiction of where we are today. You know, now that you say that, you're right. I'm going to go back and watch that. <laughs> All right, John, I just wanted – I didn't want you to get off of why right. I would have nominated you to be oh, on that Oh, thank list. you very much. All right, God bless, Jason. Talk to you soon. All right, later, Mr. Merrick. All right, guys, um, I love having John on. But here's the thing. What I loved about his list is there's just one thing we know. Some bizarre totalitarian regime has settled over all of Western civilization. But the way out is just very simple. If all of us, just with no thoughtfulness to our, to our personal interest, serve the vulnerable and are thoughtful to our posterity, we will break out of this really bizarre, absurd, ridiculous, comical totalitarian regime. And what's sorrowful is, is as obnoxious as this, this new empire of evil settles across the West. It's those outside of the West that are suffering the most. And all you have to do is do a Google image search, Afghanistan hunger or Afghanistan freezing to death. And you will see what the Biden administration is doing to a country that, by the way, I am not a regime change guy. I'm not a nation building guy. I, um, I supported Pat Buchanan in 2000 because of my commitment to stand up against the regime change nonsense that we had already been seeing in the 90s. Uh, and, of course, Bush ran as opposed, you know, to war and military expansion and regime change wars. But we saw how that went. But it's just very simple, right? The West was, Western civilization was birthed at the incarnation. Christianity the Christian understanding of the dignity of the human person is the seed in which Christendom blossomed. The beautiful flower of Christendom blossomed from that seed, the idea of the human person having an inviolable dignity because of the incarnation. Our country was founded, the declaration principle, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are endowed by God with inalienable rights. With, you know, that is Christian anthropology. There's no other way to say it. The declaration principle is the Christian vision of the human person. They can call it self-evident. It is self-evident in a civilization that had the gospel of Jesus Christ at that time for, you know, over 1,700 years. Um, so how do we get out of this nonsense? Order our lives to serving the vulnerable from our local community, inside our family, our state, our country, and around the world. Uh, never serve the powerful at the expense of the vulnerable. Um, never. Always stand, always stand with the vulnerable, even if they embarrass you, even if they have painted faces and, and horns. You stand with the vulnerable. You don't allow people to be abused or mistreated or treated as sacrificial scapegoats. Now you don't. Now if you want to stand with the vulnerable around the world from the child in the womb to... Families in Afghanistan, Christians and other ethnic and religious minorities, our friends that fought alongside of us, become a monthly donor at thevulnerablepeopleproject.com. A friend of mine today said, your organization is like that butterfly flapping its wings in that old commercial. You were the first organization to call for boycotting the Beijing Olympics. You were the first organization to really, uh, over the mistreatment of the Uyghur and Christians in, by China. And now it's heard around the world. You were the first organization um, over this, this friend of mine who's a reporter. said you were the first organization I heard of speaking out for the Uyghur in general. Um, we have been standing with the people of Afghanistan um, 
from the very beginning of this debacle and where other groups have tapped out because it is very challenging. We have been relentless and found ways to serve that community, but we need your help. So go to thegreatcampaign.org. And this episode, as always, is brought to you by my pillow, the best pillows, slippers, Giza Dream Sheets, the mattress topper, but you know, bathrobes, again, I want some of you who are like bathrobes to buy the bathrobes. Tell me what you think. I'm not a bathrobe guy. But the slippers are my latest thing. I wear them because I automatically have character. I put on my MyPillow slippers. By the way, you can wear them indoor and outdoors. They have a great bottom. And you go walking around town with your MyPillow slippers, everyone smiles. And they go, those are MyPillow slippers. You're like, yes, they are. They're awesome. And they're thinking, like, why are you, you know, in the grocery store with MyPillow slippers? And I'm like, because I... I I got personality. That's why I'm a character. And uh, and they're just luxurious. So go to MyPillow.com, use the code Jones, and get those awesome slippers, pillows, keys of dream sheets, and mattress toppers, and all your other needs. Uh, until next time, to stand in solidarity with the vulnerable is to be vulnerable. Go and get her. Follow me at Jason Jones Show. And talk to me there. Aloha. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media.